Hello and welcome to The Natural Evolution, produced by Rebel Health Tribe, a radio show focused on providing you with inspiration, education, and tools for true healing and transformation. I'm Michael, and I'll be your guide on this adventure as together we explore the very nature of the healing journey. I am back again with Mr. Joe Rignola. Joe, we haven't talked in like a week. Yeah, we haven't talked in about a week. We already did the episode where we talked about the origins of Rebel Health Tribe, which if you scroll back in the episodes, you can go back and check that out and figure out how this crazy organization came to exist in the first place. And then today we're going to talk specifically about Joe's own journey and story, which we didn't get into in the other one. So that was the healing journey of Rebel Health Tribe, I guess. (laughs) Or the origin story. And uh, this, we're going to learn about cool things like brain zaps. Yeah. Wow. And so um, I remember that from our chat years ago around it. And mm-hmm. usually I, most of the guests in this season are doctors. And so I asked them if, if they wanted to be a doctor when they grew up, or if they were interested in health their whole life. Um, we're not doctors. So right. were you interested in health stuff growing up? Like when I grow up, I'm going to have production companies that make cool health content (laughs) no although uh when i was a kid filmmaking uh was definitely something i wanted to do it was weird like as a kid i can't think of something you know like when you ask like real young kids they they still come up with something like mason my nine-year-old still wants to be adventure mason he has his own like youtube channel and that's what he wants to do like that's it he's set that's what i'm gonna do i'm like cool pretty good time to be alive if you want to create content on on the internet yeah Uh, but i didn't like i didn't there was nothing like that i think it was just i punted school like i sucked really badly at school and so i think it was just assumed that i was going to go into the family business which is not doctoring which is definitely not being a doctor it's building houses construction okay um the problem with that is that i hated it i didn't want to do that for a while there, I was like an avid skier. So I thought maybe I'd, I'd want to do something with skiing, you know, or one of my earliest passions was like, I would take old ski videos and re-edit them and put like different music to it. Like I would, I would re-edit old ski videos and put like public enemy music to it. Like that was, that was my jam. Hip hop skiing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know you skied. How did we yeah, never talk was, about that before? You were good at yeah, skiing. I was, yeah. From like, sophomore in high school till I was probably about 26 27 I would ski almost every weekend in the winter wow um, so yeah I was nuts I had you know at the time the longer the longer the skis the better it's like the opposite now but I had these 200 k2 extremes and I would jump off cliffs and do crazy stuff and um no shit yeah it was it was a lot of fun is there mountains in Long Island no not on Long Island there's uh we have a garbage dump landfill here that's pretty high that um you can ski down (laughs) could ski down it uh if you broke in in the winter and we had decent snow for my brother-in-law and i always joke around that oh you skied down it it's not for people to ski on no no it's still we we would we joke that we would break in there when one winter and ski down there but there was when we were younger um and wouldn't break a hip trying to do that now so that'll probably never happen somebody should do that though if anyone's on long island near the Brookhaven landfill and we get, you know, a dumping of snow. Someone should ski that thing. Ski it and send us the videos. Yes. It's the highest. It's actually, sadly, the highest point on Long Island. 
Is I don't like. doubt it. And I don't doubt that a landfill is probably the highest point where I come from in Illinois as well, because there's no mountains or hills in that yeah. state. So yeah. I'm pretty sure a landfill is probably our best bet for skiing as yeah, well. So. Upstate New York, though. Upstate, which everything is upstate for me, but upstate New York, there's some pretty decent skiing in, in New Jersey. and Vermont? Yeah, Vermont's pretty pretty close by. Okay. Um, so, so you were going to be a ski bum filmmaker, perhaps? That kind of thing, exactly. exactly. And then... I thought I wanted to do that for a while. Um, that didn't there's some out. DJing time <laughs> that was right. Yeah. That, that was a brief crossover. The skiing ended right around when the, uh, uh, the DJing started. It seems like a natural progression. <laughs> I had to DJing, you know, it's so funny. I had like, I've had like seven or eight very distinctly, completely different lives. Um, so yeah, I went from carpentry to, um, skiing uh to djing and like party starting you know like when you go to a bar mitzvah or sweet 16 or a wedding and you have those really annoying people who try to get everyone yeah. up on the dance floor that was me um of course it was yeah of course it was so i was mo- i was djing and then like emceeing and doing some party starting stuff but that's how i met marissa my wife so um that that's was- a win Clearly, the best thing that came out of out of that era of my, of my life. So DJing um, led led to marriage. Yeah, which, DJing and, led uh, to marriage and two <laughs> awesome kids. So you know that's that's thank you DJing. And then you were in financial stuff, right? Didn't you get into real estate? So real yeah, estate. so uh, um, yeah, so when I was probably early twenties, mid twenties, I s- probably stopped doing the DJ thing. I went from a DJ to being a music producer too. That was probably something you didn't know. I had a, had a music studio in my dad's basement where I would where I'd make hip hop beats for for rappers. Russian shoulders with Suge Knight and Puff Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Um, no big deal. Around that time, right? Uh, I was more like Puffy and Biggie because East Coast, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I was in the middle of the country, so like yeah. both sides were acceptable. Well, you were Eminem's territory, so I did. Did that and then yeah filmmaking music all that stuff was like these were all passions of mine but i was always taught like that's great you can do that but that's that's a hobby and you should do that on nights and weekends and you can't really make a living doing that um which at the time was probably pretty good advice because there really wasn't the internet for like the first fucking half of my life (laughs) like imagine like anyone listening to this who's under 30 imagine that there's no inter- like imagine there's no air to i think it's unfathomable for them yeah. like i don't know that's like us not having well, i don't even know it's more pervasive than tv ever was like it's sure um yeah it's taking away like a, a almost essential um nutrient at this point <laughs> so yeah there was there was really not too many options you had to get a record deal or a book deal or or be in Hollywood if you wanted to make movies, like, so that kind of thing. Um, but nevertheless, it was sort of taught to me early on that that stuff was a hobby. And I'm sure we'll get deeper into that a little bit later. Um, so I, I decided it was, you know, it was getting married. It was time for me to get a quote unquote real job. So I cut my long hair and uh, I knew I didn't want to do construction. Uh, so I started selling the houses that my dad was building. And from there, I got into real estate oh that makes sense then i was wondering how you started selling houses that that actually was a natural and 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 logical progression yeah pretty much everything else in my life um 
so I did that for probably about 12 years and I liked it a lot at first and I was really good at it. Um, and I was making really good money, except I was spending more money than I was making. So no matter what, how much money I made, I just spent more because I saw it. Yeah. Net, net zero, no matter how much the net negative gross went up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So because I was generally unhappy in my life. And so I figured if I just bought a new BMW or lived in this McMansion of a house, um, then that surely would make me happy. Um, but the problem was that um, made me less happy because I was just going deeper into debt and couldn't pay bills. More stress. BMW got repossessed. More pressure to sell more houses. Exactly. So working more. Um, so yeah, I got to the point where I was about 45 pounds heavier um uh was on medication for like acid reflux for i had like severe digestive issues i would drink there were afternoons where i would drink like a bottle of pepto-bismol you know those little short bottles mm -hmm. of pepto i would drink an entire bottle of that in an afternoon um and i was on paxil for for depression and even with all of that i was still lay in bed most mornings just not wanting to get out of bed and on the outside, what sucked about it is on the outside, it looked like I had it all. I had like this amazing marriage, um, this big house, nice cars, you know, you know, successful business and everything looked really cool. Everything looked like, you know, but on the inside I was, I was, you know, dying. <laughs> I literally. literally was like, either couldn't, couldn't muster the energy or desire to even get out of bed on, on a lot of mornings. So, um, that's a really shitty place to be uh, because it's really hard for people to understand that, especially when everything looks really cool on the outside, everything's hunky-dory on the outside. Um, no one understands that. And somehow through that, all Marissa, you know, stood by me and supported me and uh, lots of highs and lows. So um, somewhere around the mid 2000s, I really started getting burned out. Um, I switched um, to doing real estate auctions. And what I would do is I would start, I would auction houses off for the homeowner, not like foreclosures, like pre foreclosures. So this was about the time the market started coming down and I recognized that the market, the real estate market was coming down. So I switched to doing real estate auctions and I actually started making more money when the market came down than when the market was at its peak, because I was auctioning, auctioning houses off for people. And I would sell it as, you know, let's save you from having a foreclosure. I'll sell the house for you before the bank can foreclose on it. And really what I was doing is making money off of people who were unable to uh, afford their house. Yeah. Who were just at the worst part of their lives. Yeah. And um, I actually remember going into a house that I was supposed to auction off. It was like a little three bedroom uh, house and um, the, they left a key for me and I walked in, no one was home, but there was like a, uh, in the kitchen, there was like a, happy birthday banner and there were toys around the house i'm like what am i doing like i can't keep making money like this this is like these people are this is a family they're losing everything you know um and i can't this is not a way for me to make money hey if you're enjoying the show make sure you head over to rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit that's k-i-t and grab the RHT Starter Kit, which includes a sampler of four free videos from our professional masterclasses and webinars, the RHT Healthy Sleep Guide, the Wellness Vault Coupon Book, which will save you money on all of our favorite health-related tools and resources, 
a professional product guide, and a coupon for 15% off your first order in our shop. That's rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit, K-I-T, and you'll get all that delivered right away. Also, if you're on Facebook, we've got a fun, engaging, and supportive group over there as well with thousands of health seekers just like yourself. Just search for Rebel Health Tribe and you'll find us. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Um, so it was around that time when I wanted to come off of the depression medication because it really wasn't working and it had a bunch of other pretty horrendous side effects. I went to the doctor and he said, um, yeah, just do half a dose for a couple of weeks and you'll be fine. Well, I wasn't fine. The day after I stopped taking it, I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth with one of those like battery powered toothbrushes. And I all of a sudden felt this zap in my brain and it kind of went down into my hands. And I look at the toothbrush and I'm like, wow, that's a powerful toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) That thing's crazy. You thought Um, you got an electric shock from the toothbrush? Yeah. At first I thought that's what it was, but I was like, all right. So I put the toothbrush away. I walked out into the bedroom and it happened again. And it was like, it literally put me down to my knees. It was really scary. I had no idea what was going on, but it just, it, it felt like kind of like sticking your brain into a light socket, like just like just, just shock that went through down into my fingers, down into my feet. The only thing that I had changed was that I stopped taking the med- medication. Wow. Did you so, call your doctor? I went back to the doctor and he's like, all right, so we have to wean off more slowly, obviously. I'm like, no kidding. You don't, you don't say. Is that a thing? Like, is that a, th- it's a known thing. That's researching that was, was the conduit to, for me doing what I'm doing now. Um, so there I were other people having brain zaps. Other people having brain zaps. And from there, it sort of led to, well, this is what I'm doing instead. I changed my diet. I started taking these herbs and these supplements. Um, I started exercising more. I started getting outside, like started learning all of this, this stuff. And this is still back when the internet was still fairly new. <laughs> um, uh, and so finding, you know, being able to research this stuff wasn't as easy as it is now, um, but there was still some information out there. Um, ended up adopting something that looked somewhat paleo-ish before paleo-ish was a thing. Um, cut out most processed foods, started moving more, started exercising, getting better sleep. Like I'd actually go to bed before 1.30 in the morning, which was novel for me. That, that um, was my entire 20s as well, was one yeah. thirty in the morning. Yeah, so this is probably, I'm probably now at this point in my mid-30s. Um, and so all this kind of coincided. I'm trying to remember the timing of it, but um, it was it was around that I, I started feeling better, started losing weight. And I was like, I, I, I can't keep doing real estate because it's killing me. Um, although I really like this health thing. Like I just feel like I've learned a lot. Um, I started really feeling better, feeling more energetic. And I was like, I want to help other people do this. And so somewhere around 37, I, I went back to school for health and nutrition, which was a little bit scary because reinventing yourself, you know, going back to school at that point seemed really scary sold the house that we were in and moved into a little one bedroom basement apartment so it went from like having a porsche and a 3800 square foot mcmansion to um you know a little one bedroom apartment um it's a bit of a change 
bit of a change. Went back to work for my dad um, during construction. At this point, I actually enjoyed it. Um, started reading more all around the same time. It all happened at the same time. Reading um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And, um, you know, I had, I had been, I was raised Catholic, but I hadn't been to church in 10 years, but started discovering this, this spiritual journey um, in the basement apartment <laughs> and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I'm happier now um, in this tiny little basement apartment with our dog than I ever was with all the cars in the house and all the stuff. How long and it did, wasn't even close. When you switched uh, to eating food and moving and the supplements and things like, was it pretty quick to get through that period of the withdrawal from the meds? Like how long did it take you to, cause that was that probably like pretty took- scary. You're like 35 and your brain's shooting electric through your body. Yeah. That's probably. Um, it was pretty scary. Yeah. A little disconcerting. Think- like what kind of path am I on yep. uh, right now? This is not sustainable. Yeah. What I discovered is I wasn't deficient in Paxil. That was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but it probably took four or five months to actually wean off of it without symptoms. Like I would, I would wean off a little bit faster and then such the brain zaps would come back. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't so, there a time where you like passed out somewhere? Yeah. So that was earlier because I was, like I said, I was about 45 pounds overweight and um, I was pre-diabetic. And so I had some blood sugar issues and I was out with a buddy of mine in a diner and uh, I, uh, you know, I think I probably hadn't eaten much that day. And I was drinking coffee at about 1130 at night because that's what you do. Yeah. You know, I think this is probably in my late 20s. <clears throat> and um, I literally passed out in the middle of the diner, like fell out of the booth and with my, fa- my face hit the floor in the middle of the diner. <clears throat> so, yeah, I had some health issues. It was not well. So that was that was another adventure. The passing out story is always a good one. Once I realized that I needed to be responsible for, for my happiness, that was big, really eye-opening. And the less stuff I had, the happier I was. And then from there, uh, like I said, I went back to school, did the FDN thing like you. This was probably 2009. Okay. I started coaching people. I founded a company called Wellness Punks. Talked about this a little on the last, on the last episode, but um, <clears throat> was coaching people when I went for a while, for like two years, and um, then did something like a summit early on when summits weren't really that popular. And there was this guy Sean Croxton who uh, helped me, who was who did it, had done a couple of summits. Up until that point, before that, not too many people were doing that. Um, and it was called the Primal Cooking Workshop. We had a bunch of paleo and primal people uh, via Zoom teaching me how to cook, and we just recorded it all. And 22,000 people signed up to watch that, which was stunning to me. I had no idea we can get that many people. And I realized that I could either keep doing coaching one on one and you know, with one person at a time, or I could actually reach 20,000 people at a time. And so I chose 20,000 people at a time. And that was what launched this online, you know, marketing sort of uh, era that I'm still in now. And it's been incredible. 
With Wellness Punks, you created the Primal Cooking Workshop, but you also, you were working with clients then too? Yeah, I was still working with clients. Um, but once, I think once I was done with the Primal Cooking Workshop, because I realized that that was something, it started to pull together all these things that I was passionate about. It was, it was the health. It was, I got to make these cool videos and edit them together and make it into something that was really entertaining and fun. Um, the feedback from people was really cool. They loved it. And um, I was like, this is, this is it. I actually get to do something that I'd love to do and make it and make a decent living at it. You know, it was contrary to everything I was taught growing up. Yeah. Work is supposed to suck. Work is supposed to suck. You're supposed to work hard, like work hard, make a good living and resent it every minute. Yeah. Yeah, I I tried that. It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, the thing is, 25 years ago, it wasn't, it was just, this wasn't possible. You know, what I'm doing now wasn't possible. So same. I think about that sometimes, especially as like, we're considering a move like out of the country into Europe with Mira, like basically retiring um, from nursing. And I can only do that because the internet and because of what's possible now. And like so many people I know their jobs and careers wouldn't exist. Like there's, almost all my friends work online now so it's like yeah it's just crazy um we're really fortunate to have access to this Mm -hmm. thing that lets us create these things because you would have been what bootlegging vhs tapes out of the back of your trunk of your car by my cooking videos videos. (laughs) (laughs) but editing then would have been a way bigger pain in the ass too because now there's all the editing software and all the tech and all the things like making movies then was a way different situation so yeah we're really lucky that's it's um it's really allowed a lot of connection and ability to reach large audiences with with stuff whenever i have a conversation with someone in their 20s you know, anyone under 30 who has some sort of passion that they want to do, it, it's just trying to give them that perspective. Like, I literally did not have the option to do what I love to do when I was your age, mm-hmm. at least not not to the extent or with the ease that we can do it now. No, you'd have to become like a filmmaker, like film school, like making movies for like Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like there wasn't this YouTube thing and yeah. all these ways to get, you know, filmmaking out to the masses like there's there's like literally trillions of hours of video content that now exists on the internet that you can watch that wouldn't have existed before exactly and, and it goes with anything whether it's you know you want to write a book you want to you know or make music you can just make music mm-hmm. like you could just write a book and you can yeah. self-publish and you publish can it, it and put the music on the spotify and spotify put it everywhere yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's stunning to me the opportunities that are that exist today um like anything like you could be like a a, you could be like a freak for like the incredible hulk and figure out a way to make content around the incredible hulk and make a a living out of it yeah i have a buddy from college who has a youtube channel now where he does like show notes and easter eggs and summaries and all that for like three or four different shows that exist Uh and he's got like thousands of youtube followers that watch his show summaries and notes Mm -hmm. and things and whatever and so he's making money watching the shows that he really likes to geek Mm -hmm. out on and then making videos about it and then makes money yeah like and the people who love the shows love his videos of course and they learn more stuff about the shows than they knew about before so everybody wins and it's yeah it's just a whole level of things that didn't exist before and so so you started we did our thing and then we launched rebel health tribe and then 
um, I think your journey, like mine, like I actually didn't really have health issues. I got really out of shape and I was unhealthy, but I didn't have brain zaps. I didn't have like digestive problem. Like I, I didn't really have it. And actually I recorded with Dr. Winters yesterday who find her episode on here too. It's, it's awesome. She's a cancer survivor and, and integrative oncologist. And I didn't realize it till yesterday when we were talking, but my healing journey was one around depression and it didn't happen till later. Like mine only happened in the last few years where um, I didn't have the health one. Like I got into this because I wanted to be a trainer because I thought getting paid to work out would be cool. And then it took me down a road that was like training, then nutrition, then functional medicine, lab testing and whatever. And I just thought it was interesting. I didn't have like a health thing that like set me straight or set me on my way. And yours was mental health. Mine was mental health, but I didn't even realize it until a few years ago when it almost killed me. But you had the physical health one and tried mental. you will end the mental health and you okay. tried to get through the mental health with the Paxil, but then the zaps and then the physical health happened and the mental health improved. But then you had kind of like a second healing journey exactly. that you're had, kind of in the middle of right now. Right. It's so it's it, they kind of blend, you know, I tried to yeah. get through the depression with Paxil and and cars. And <laughs> it was coffee. expensive yeah. and, and a lot of coffee. I'll still, <laughs> I still do the coffee thing, though. Um, yeah, it's super interesting. So the health and mental health and spiritual journey, you know, kind of all intersected at one point. Because the of- mental health and spiritual end of things wasn't really part of when you had the brain zaps and you're like, oh, I need to eat food. And you started to research like nutrition and health stuff. Like yeah, that didn't quite come up. Yet. The, the mental health, spiritual health journey there wasn't really forefront there. That was like, no, how that can wasn't- I give my physical body what it needs so that I feel better? Right. Which, which was great and it did, and it worked, but then it wasn't until I was in the little a little one bedroom basement apartment and I was making videos on YouTube, just like funny videos and and um, realizing that obviously I was off Paxil, I wasn't on any medication, I was just I was just living a more simple life and was just so much happier. And then while we were in that apartment, we watched Oprah did this thing with Eckhart Tolle to launch his book a new earth and it was like it's so funny now because i'm thinking about it It was basically what we do <laughs> they did a, a series of, of of webinars every single night it was all online it was a series of webinars oprah beat us to it yeah go figure <laughs> damn it Oprah. um eckhart tolle's books were one of my first yeah. uh two in the mm-hmm. whole mental emotional spiritual power, power no i read a new earth first and then yeah. i didn't like power of now as much and that's the backwards order that they were written in. but exactly. and i was like oh i skipped the first book and i went back and read the first book and i was like no the second book is better mm-hmm. um, but yeah. even then like now i haven't read tole in 10 years like i would probably look at it way differently now mm-hmm. than i did then it was like my first introduction to a lot of concepts around like you yeah. aren't your thoughts right like that was the first time that anybody like yeah helped me see and have the realization that I am not the narration in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I should say previous to that, I think I read this or watched the secret. Okay. I still had a way bigger ego. Mm. Like I was an asshole. Let's so just, how can I weaponize this stuff to like make more money? Yeah, exactly. So I would like visualize, I'm going to have this Porsche, <laughs> put the picture of the Porsche on the 
on the wall and I'm going to get this thing. Yeah, the vision board of the Porsche and the palm trees and the islands and the jet skis. And yeah, I used to have that. I used to have a vision board that looked like that. that Exactly. Fancy Um, stuff. And and then I but I would get it. I got it. We got the cars and then the cars would get repossessed. (laughs) They took the cars away. Damn it. I'm doing Uh, something wrong. Secret doesn't work. Need a bigger vision board. No. Um, Actually, just, I think you a smaller one. I think that's the key is a smaller, smaller one. <laughs> then, um, but in the last few years, it's taken quite another leap for you. Like you're, because mm-hmm. both of us, it was, man, talk about like subconscious programming and stories and shit. The two of us, when we were first doing Rebel Health Tribe, like, like we were moderately successful despite our own best efforts mm-hmm. to sabotage everything we were doing because yep. we thought that we sucked. like that we weren't good enough to deserve this or have that or whatever and well it was that and it was like you know almost feeling guilty that we can make money doing something we Mm -hmm. enjoy because we were yeah that just feels so sideways i still struggle with that that's still really weird to me that that's that's a thing that you get to do and now you have awareness for it right like you recognize when that comes up yeah and i can like be like okay that's the story and this is okay but before i just lived out of it and then that'll show up in like sabotage and depression and in like anxiety and you know panic attacks and everything's going to go sideways and i'm going to lose everything and this is not going to work and we don't deserve this and yeah like i remember when we were procrastination or just oh yeah yeah just straight out avoidance and not curling up things yeah Yeah. freezing curling up in a ball and we would kind of alternate like who was in the panic attack at the time (laughs) and whoever was functioning would take over to do a little bit more of the stuff Uh but there was like it was back and forth panic set off each other's panic attacks like both of us had anxiety like Mm -hmm. up to wazoo that launch was crazy um it was pretty amazing that we were able to function uh, well. And um, I feel like when one of us were, were having a panic attack or was just dysfunctional, um, the other came to the rescue. Yeah. And something that felt good about that. Like, I got it. I'll handle it. I got it. And then, yeah, I think so. Because, like, I mean, and your, you, your mom passed away during that time too. Yeah. Like, your mom got sick and passed away and, like, there was just, and Mira got sick for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, had her first flare. And like, there was just a lot. There was a lot of other things that were happening during the work stress, but it was definitely like, we both had deeply ingrained, your dad's an entrepreneur, business yep. owner. My dad's an entrepreneur, business owner. Um, there's things that come along with that. Like work is supposed to be all the time and hard. Mm-hmm. And you just grind it out and that's what you do. And that's what you have to do. And the more you're working, the more valuable you are. Exactly. That's <laughs> and like it. the harder you're working, the more valuable you are. Yep. And that things that aren't hard or take tons of time are not valuable. Um, that nothing yeah, can be easy. We both, we both still struggle with that. I think that, that, you know, we've got to grind for. 13, yeah. 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 But my, my dad was an, is an accountant. He's re- sort of retired now he probably works about as much as a normal person now. but uh yeah he still does lots of people's taxes but he's <laughs> technically retired and mm-hmm. like growing up i mean from like january to april during tax season he would be gone or working from like the morning when i went to school until like nighttime after dinner like all day every day for days sometimes seven days a week for like february march april and that was just what you do mm-hmm. and so I didn't really think it was anything that strange when we started doing these launches and these things. And I was working like 
12 straight hours a day, I was like, I'm being productive. This is what you're supposed to do. Like I'm an adult now. Exactly. And my wife is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, hello, do you have a, I'm over here too. Like, and it was hell on my marriage and it was hell on my psyche. And I wasn't working out anymore. I wasn't doing the thing. Like I was just working all the time, but that was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Now I'm in it. Now I'm doing it. Like, yeah, exactly. I feel great about myself. Now. Ass. We did a launch. We made money. I worked a thousand hours a week and this is what you do. This is awesome. Validation, baby. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's not though. It sucks. Like it sucks. don't do that. And I still struggle with like, if I have a little space in my life, I put something else there. Because yep. right now I'm in two full-time trainings, running Rebel Health Tribe sort of, and mm-hmm. uh, launching a whole new giant project. Mm-hmm. At the same time, all of those four things are like full-time things yeah. and it's, it's totally bonkers. And I've identified that uh-huh. and, and Mira is the voice of reason. Like when uh-huh. um, I'm going to sign up for another thing, she's like, don't do that. You, you don't even have time for the thing you're doing right now. And I'm like, no, I could do it. It's cool. I'll fit it in between 7 a.m. and 7.45 a.m. on Tuesday because I know my like time, literal time. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's exactly. like, you're going to not be able to do that. And here I am right now, three weeks behind on one of my trainings because I don't have the time because I'm doing these other things. So future self will watch this. And this was, and I will not be doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that not- comes from the need to always be it's that working right now it's it's like kind of kind of like you get that validation from that you're always looking for that validation outside of yourself the things that you're doing things that you're producing whenever you get a break right uh you don't know what the hell to do with yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least i don't i'm like i crave and long for these breaks like oh what about if there was a day where i didn't have to do anything and that oh my god that would be amazing and then by noon i'm like I'm supposed to be doing like 22 things. Yeah. So I got to do a thing. Like I can't. So I'm like learning slowly to relax and when accept I like time longevity. off. When I exited human longevity, I literally started four companies in a month. Like literally registered four different LLCs in a month, like a marketing company, another wellness brand, another wellness brand, a coaching company. And I was just like, I was like, I can do it all. I know I can do it all. And same thing. My wife was like, well, how, how are you doing that? <laughs> And uh, I, I just said yes to everything and it felt great. And I was getting home at eight o'clock at night, barely enough time to yeah. tuck my kids and, you know, to sleep and uh, it wasn't working. Um, so I've only said yes to a couple of things now, <laughs> but well, it's, it's still it's a lot, programming right? it's and, still- and doing a lot of work around just being aware of it. Here's what's interesting. And this might like, if I could bring value to people listening, I, intentionally try to take at least one or two Fridays off a month. And that week that I have, it's like I schedule it. I'm taking off that Friday. I am more productive on that first four days of that, of that week than I usually am in like three or four weeks because I can have this deadline. I know I want to take off. I promised my family I'm taking time off. So I find myself way more productive um, in the days leading up to a quote unquote day off. Um, and the other thing is, like, it feels really, really, really weird to schedule dinner with my family, but it's the only like it's the only way things happen. If it's not on my schedule, it doesn't exist. So yeah, I, I, yes, I can. It feels really weird date night with Marissa to put it on my calendar. Yeah, I do it too. Mine's every other Saturday. <laughs> so so um, it, yeah, it's just the way, and that's you know what? That's it. Just comes with the territory. 
but I don't even have weekends off right now. So um, half days off is like on a Sunday, I take a half day off to go hiking every other Sunday. But I there's a light at the end of the tunnel that like my classes are ending. My trainings are ending and like it's I'm not going to sign up for another one. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's that. I'm sure mirror will hold you to that as well. It's it's forcing yourself into like you said, scheduling the Friday off and then promising that you'll be off. Yeah. Because for me, if I schedule it, it doesn't matter. If I promise it to her, then I have to do it. Right. Because so, then you've got the accountability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've started building those things in, and no matter how, like, and I have an hour or something in the morning, hour and a half ish uh, every morning. I get up before her, so I have an hour and a half every morning where I do some of my learning trainings and practice self-care stuff. I stop at a certain time every night. I go for at least two walks a day. I have like non-negotiables um, that I build into my schedule that are non-negotiable. And I keep, I keep to those now. And yeah. I used to just blow all those off. Now I'll get behind on work and things before I'll blow all those off. Super smart. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, a mentor, like an executive sort of coach um, not too long ago. And he would say, take your recovery as seriously as you take the hard work. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's been a huge shift for me. Yeah. That I've done that too. Now, like I have an hour and a half, I book on my day with like an hour, hour and a half of like downtime and self-care things. I go for walks. I have an infrared sauna. So I go in there like three times a week. I do like two to three workouts a week. I go for a hike every other week. Like you still float every other Saturday night. Same every yeah. other Thursday. I, float. I just picked it up after like a long time away. Cause it was closed here for a year. Right. But I just picked it back up. So I go every other for a float. Uh, and a cryo session before the float. That's weird. I've done that. I've actually done <laughs> cryo to float. I wanted to do. I like the combo. Your body feels all weird when you get in the float thing. And it's like yeah. weird. Yeah. I, I like wanted it. to do. I wanted because the place that I do cryo has the sauna too. And I was like, can mm-hmm. I do a sauna and sauna and then cryo? They're like, no, idiot. Because you'll be sweating. You'll freeze like an ice cube. <laughs> yeah, you'll die. Don't do like, that. No. You can do the the freeze the then the float then the sauna or something yeah. like that or the sauna i think what we're going to do yeah i think the the cryo um sauna float yeah because the sauna will loosen you up for the float so your body will relax even more in the float exactly. yeah but yeah i'm non-negotiable on those things now and i think your coach was right because yep. um people ask because i've i have way more on my plate right now than i've probably ever had like total between the trainings and launching Inora and running Rebel Health Tribe. And I still help a lot taking care of Mira and cooking all the food and doing all the stuff around here. Mm-hmm. And it's too much. Like it's objectively too much. There's more things than there are minutes to do it. And in yeah. the past, like when we were working together with Rebel Health Tribe, that would make me like a crazy person filled with anxiety and unable to sleep, oh, yeah. laying in bed, being like, tomorrow I have to do these 117 yep. things and this thing. And then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my brain would be like, ah, I got to do this thing tomorrow. And then I would not fall back asleep. And then I'd be a mess and I'd be tired. And then it was this cycle and whatever. And now I sleep almost eight hours a night. My sleep is solid. I'm no panic attacks. I have low levels of anxiety. I don't freak out. I'm doing more stuff than I was able to do then, but it's because doing doing it better and I'm doing it better. And I'm not like a mess to work with. Like I don't give everyone on my team anxiety just by being in the room. And so the difference is the self-care, like the difference is, and we've both done a lot of work around like being conscious of these things. And I have more skills and practices to like notice these things come up and then not go down that path. 
um, because it's just a story, but that self-care rigidity. What would you say was the biggest or one of the biggest shifts in your mindset in general, like in over the past few years? It was probably like finally really genuinely realizing and believing that I'm not shitty. Like on like a real level. It feels like too. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you, you know, it was like, you know, that I deserve like that. Deserve it. That I'm not shitty. Like that's the only way because it started for me like pre-birth, like I'm adopted. And when a kid is given up for adopt, like when that happens, there's like a story that starts pre-memory that you're unwanted. And so it's my whole life has been that I'm shitty or a fear around being shitty or like letting people down or like not deserving or that can manifest itself in like a million different ways. And I've had some experiences with some really incredible um, facilitators, teachers, uh, therapist types, and people through the luminous training that I'm in that um, have really helped me not just like say the words I'm not shitty. Like I tried like affirmations and things in the past and it just doesn't do anything because the belief wasn't behind it. But like experiencing myself from the perspective outside of that. Mm And like being able to see me as other people do. Right. Or like what's more real than what the story was. And that, that shifts everything. Mm-hmm. Like that changes everything then. Yeah. And I know you've been through a lot of that too. Cause for sure. Um, I mean, I would grow up and I would share a goal or dream or, you know, something with my dad and he would literally laugh at me. And I'm not, you know, this is my dad's amazing. I have the greatest relationship with him. He's doing the best that he could. And again, it was just sort of like, I probably gave him enough reason to not believe in anything that I said, because I didn't fall through. I, I punted school. I, yeah, same. You know, I came up with all these ridiculous yeah. things I was going to do, and then I never, yeah. never accomplished any of them. And then I stopped. What was really cool for me is I stopped saying what I was going to do, and then I just did it, and then actually just and then just did it, and then showed mm-hmm. them I did this. It was a lot more fun than saying I'm going to do it and then stopping halfway. <laughs> I, I had the same pattern. I had all these yeah. things I was going to do, and then... Yeah tell them how I'm going to do it or tell everyone how I'm going to do it. And now yeah. I kind of wait until the thing exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look at this thing. <laughs> um, Anora is a little different. I've been talking about that for a couple of years, but, um, but, but that is a thing now. So mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, I just, I had that same pattern. And, oh, and every time that I didn't succeed with something, it reinforced that I was shitty of course, of course. And then there's the I told you so. Like, of course you didn't do it because even if they didn't like, say I told you so. No, no, no. This was all projected. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This was me yeah. making up words that they didn't yep. say to say them to me. Um, but <laughs> it was just me saying it to myself. Like yeah. it was just yeah, projecting it. Yeah. So I like valuing that. myself and like my own well-being. And then um, the other uh, major shift I think for both of us in the past few years has been discovering plant medicine, which was yeah monumental shift it wasn't as much of a discovery for me it was kind of like a rediscovery re yeah because like i'd done psychedelics like my whole life but But never when i was younger it was like oh this thing can get you more high than weed try this like it was like a party type of thing like i took lsd and mushrooms because it was was like a fun yeah it was like a let's do this and it was a medicine ceremony a few years ago, two and a half years ago that like flipped my suicidal depression on its head to the point where like, I didn't even know how to be. Mm-hmm. 
because I went from so depressed and like hopeless to not. And then I didn't even know how to like live from that place. It took me like readjusting how to even be. And that's why I am in the trainings I'm in. And that's why I created Anora was from that yep. experience of, of that. And that all came from those rooms too. So mm-hmm. um, I met Andrew who led me to Luminous in the medicine circle. I created brainchild of Anara with Anna Paula in a medicine circle. The only thing I'm doing that didn't come from a plant medicine circle was in Gabor's training and he works with a lot of plant medicine. So yeah. uh, there's a connection there too. Yeah. So that's definitely been something really helpful. And I know that it shifted a lot of things for you too. Yeah. I, it, the, I've never, I never experimented, experimented with psychedelics prior to that experience. It was about two and a half years ago. Also, we both kind of entered that around the same time. Um, and uh, I remember thinking like, I wanted to try this for probably five years leading up to that. Cause I heard about it on Joe Rogan's podcast. Like that was my, that was it. That was all I really knew about it was what I learned there. If the opportunity comes to me and it's the right time, the right plants and all that stuff, I'll do it. And that's literally what happened. It, the, the, the ceremony came right to Long Island here. And I remember talking to Marissa about it and being like, hey, we have this opportunity um, to try this um, plant medicine. Do you like a plant medicine journey? She's like, oh, that's cool. We'll learn about like herbs and stuff like that. And we can grow something. <laughs> like, no, that's not quite not what I'm about. exactly that. <laughs> and it was like, no, this is like psychedelics. And um, she's like, why the fuck would I want to do that? <laughs> like, life's good. Like, I don't need that. Um, but she never said no. Um, and we did that. And it was like, oh, this is reality. Like, this is how we're supposed to be. And I literally felt like um, Rissa and I were just like meeting again. So it was really cool. And that's cool. It's made me a better dad. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better person. It was five years of therapy in one night. <laughs> That's where a lot of my self-forgiveness, self-compassion yeah. came from too as well. And experiences that I wasn't able to access because mm-hmm. um, too guarded. Of course. Because it, it changes that. I think a lot of people think that if they need to clear some old trauma, that they have to relive the old trauma. And that, in my experience, hasn't been true. No, I mean, there's methods that would be more similar to that, but it's definitely not necessary. Because in my understanding of it, because it's been something I've studied quite a bit the last two years now is like, it's stored in the body. Mm -hmm. And there's implicit and explicit memory and implicit memory are memories you don't recall necessarily, but the body remembers them. And that starts before birth. There's actually research that shows Mm -hmm. that starts before birth. And so things that happen in utero, your body remembers. And so when something, even when you're really little, like things that you don't remember from when you're really little, and Mm -hmm. when that gets triggered, when that something reminds that memory, like the mind, it remembers everything, literally like a computer and Mm -hmm. anything that triggers that will come up as like a triggered response and you won't know why. Know why you're triggered. Yeah. And so if you had to relive the traumas to process them, things like that would be impossible to heal because you Mm -hmm. can't recall them. And they're not impossible to heal because you don't have to be able to recall things. It's just the 
the energy needs to be able to have a place to go and the thing needs to be able to be felt like it's the feeling the sensation more than the thing that happened Mm -hmm. and so yeah stuff will come up like i'll feel stuff yeah it's not always easy but yeah (laughs) but that's okay like we have this society where like you're never supposed to feel uncomfortable right exactly like anything that's like painful or uncomfortable or scary is no good or grief or sadness or like anything like, Oh, you're sad. Have this beer. Oh, you, right. you know, eat this cupcake, watch like this yeah, watch this show zone out. Like, yeah. um, like grief in this culture that this come up in a few of the interviews that like grief is like a taboo thing. Like you're not supposed to be sad or whatever. Right. Like if, if somebody's sad, everyone around them will start immediately trying to cheer them up. And it's exactly. not for them, for the sad person, it's for you. Cause that makes you uncomfortable with them being sad. And so like when, um, Marley, my dog died last year. Um, and this may sound silly to people, but like, he was my best friend. I had him for 30, 13 years and he saved my life like more than once. And when he died, we like leaned into it. Like I took two weeks off and we just like fucking cried all day. Like yep. it was sad. And, and we went for walks and we reminisced and we told stories and like, it was so sad. Like I was so sad. I didn't know I could be that sad. Like I was so sad. And also I was so alive. Like to like be able I, to allow yourself to feel that without yeah, the Yeah, like and the flowers were brighter and smelled better and the colors were brighter and the sounds were everything. And like because when you don't have that resistance to what you're feeling, it's like it takes a layer of that anxiety and stress away and guilt, almost guilt for feeling the way you're you're, you're yeah, it was fine. It was fine. And like it we numb things or soothe things or avoid things or cope or whatever but you can't do that selectively yeah like if you do it to one thing it does it to all the things right and so like letting the grief come through and the sadness also made me feel more alive and then there were moments of like actual joy and happiness and like gratitude and things that like otherwise you're just like here mm-hmm. if you don't go down there you can't go up there that's like right it's the same type of thing and up there isn't better than down there. Uh-huh. That's like a thing I've tried to like learn too, is that grief is just as valuable as an experience as like ecstasy. Sure. Like it's the same. You thing. can't have one without the other. Exactly. Yeah. And the medicine circles really like, and people will say like, Oh, something isn't authentic. If you had to take some sort of substance oh, to horrible. access it. And I'm like, it's definitely really real. And it's not that it's like, Oh, you need to be in that state all the time. It's like, it's a, it sets like um breadcrumbs like it's it's mm-hmm. you access to something and then you're aware of that yep and it doesn't go that awareness doesn't go away like that That's comes with you I, I and i know a lot of people who use ceremonies and different modalities as almost a crutch like they mm-hmm. keep them, keep yeah them. or an escape yeah. or like every weekend right, like exactly, I have to do right? and, then, yeah. and it's like you're not what you what i what i realized is that you do something obviously you're doing work in the ceremony um, but really what's happening is you're being shown the things that you have to continue to work on. And so it's like, yeah, you it's open, the integration you open the door, right. You open the door, but you still have to climb up the, the stairs and, and, and do the work after that. So if you keep going from one ceremony to the other, I feel like you almost don't do the integration work, which is the stuff that's going to be sustainable, which is matters. Like, cause that's your life that you have to live all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw a guy with a shirt living in Berkeley's a trip. Cause there's all these hippies <laughs> and weirdos here. And I saw a guy with a shirt outside like a couple months ago, that said, bro, if this is your hundredth ayahuasca ceremony, I don't think it's working. <laughs> like, um, because there's people in the psychedelic world that it's just 
it's an escape just like anything else. They use it just like alcohol or anything else where that's not what it's intended for. And these things are not necessarily for everyone. So this is not a blanket endorsement. I'm not telling everyone out there to go find some mushrooms. Um, these are in controlled settings in ceremonial situations with pre and post integration and, and a whole bunch of stuff. And I had a lot of experience before I touched any of these things. So I just want to throw that disclaimer out yeah. there. Uh, it can be really unsettling for some people and really- Don't do 20 grounding. grams of mushrooms in the woods by yourself. Yeah, Dr. Winters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to that interview. We talked about some crazy stuff. Um, but it's been, it's been a trip and it's been interesting. And we've kind of had parallel learning experiences and journeys along the way where we were both kind of like a mess with uh, anxiety and- unworthiness and workaholism and making everything harder for ourselves because harder is better yep. and um basically being successful despite our own best efforts to sabotage everything we were doing mm-hmm. to both of us now doing things that we want to be doing mm-hmm. in a way that we want to be doing them most of the time most of the time <laughs> yeah uh, getting there and process and it's i think it but, always, always a practice right? i think it always will be They're always just bringing that awareness to it and being like oh yeah i don't need to do 18 things at once no and booking like time to not yeah. be doing things um really important because we would have never done that before if ever I, it felt no. silly it still feels silly sometimes to like yeah. schedule like i want to go home and play with my kids yeah I, <laughs> I lived right by the beach in san diego for most of that time and i rarely ever went to the beach and it was like my life goal that's right. Until that point to live by the beach. Yep. And then I did. And I made myself so busy that I barely ever got to go to the beach. It's and it's like sad. Like, it's just yeah. sad. Like, what's the point then? Yep. And with the move we're going to do next, I'm not going to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to move to Italy and then not be in Italy. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then not do the things that you do there. Like, yep. I want to be present in my life. Like, life is not only work. It's really interesting because, you know, I've always struggled with delegating, right? I'll just, I'll yeah. do it. Right? I'm always, I'm the, uh, I'm the Swiss army knife. Yeah. Do it all. I'll do it. I'll handle it. I'll do it my way. And so, you know, it's now starting out with, with kind of a, a blank slate. I have the opportunity to start off with the mentality of that. Not only shouldn't I do it all myself, I can't. And it's not sustainable. It's not scalable. It's, you limit your upside. You limit the amount of success that you have. And then you limit your relationships and everything else in your life yeah and then what's the point what's the point yeah and then your health will suffer and everything else will go to hell and like what's the point so um yeah totally interesting like parallel parallel journeys like there are times in these last couple years when you were working with human longevity and i was building a nora and we would kind of message like having some sort of realization Mm -hmm after not talking for a while and then the other one figured out the same thing around the same time like oh i'm doing that too i also take days off now weird like delegating stuff is brilliant and so um and figuring out that we don't suck around the same time was cool yeah it's so interesting interesting. right because you know the lessons kept coming up until i learned the lesson right the things that the people kept showing up that Mm. they're even that like people that I would resent like massive amounts of resentment until I realized, Oh, that's showing up because I'm supposed to learn this and get away from them. But <laughs> you know, yeah. But the more awareness you build, the, the less loud the thing has to be. 
Yeah, exactly. Like then you don't need such obnoxious things in your life to tell you like, don't exactly. do, like you'll pick it up earlier and faster and yep. more subtly, not only from external people and things and situations, but like internal body stuff too. Like yeah. I now know when I'm not taking care of myself for a few days, cause I'll feel like shit where yep. before I could carry on like that for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything, the awareness gets a lot more uh, refined to where now, if there's somebody or something in my life that I get that feeling from, I'm just like, Oh, nope, gone. (laughs) Yeah. This is not, I don't need this. I don't need to take some sort of abuse to teach me some sort of thing anymore. Like um, that's not necessary because not all healing and growth needs to be painful either. Of course. Exactly. So I think that's a big misconception people have too. Well, cheers to making life easier. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for sharing all this. And My it's pleasure. been, it's been fun to be alongside of you on a lot of it. And uh, even when we were anxious, nervous messes, uh, we created some pretty cool stuff and built an incredible community of people that we still have tons of people around that were there for the primal 90 launch, like six years ago that are in our Facebook group and posting every day. So it's some of those people are like family now. So it's, um, it's been really fun. And now you're back with Rebel Health Tribe doing a lot of the copywriting and email stuff. So the people are hearing from you, which is fun. And it's fun for me, speaking of delegation, because that was something on my plate that I hate doing that you like doing. So it was like awesome to hand that off. And um, it'll be cool to see what comes next with working and collaborating and journeying and and growing and experimenting and who knows where we're going to land five years from now. So by the time people hear this, I think both of our new websites will be up and, and yeah 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 what is that tell the people so they can go find it wellconnected.tv would be the will be the main the new wellness brand and it's just going to be a weekly series season one is all about gut health and microbiome and i'm just going to keep rolling out episodes and it'll be fun and i'm just literally giving those episodes away for people to watch cool really, you know um looking forward to serving the community and helping people as much as I can, which is why I started this whole, this whole craziness. I've kind of lost sight of that for a while, but now I'm, now I'm back. (laughs) Yeah. Helping people. And the more you do it, the more it comes back to you. So all the links will be down below. So check it out. Um, Check out his new show and um, go give it a little love and watch the episodes. I've know a little bit of what's going on. It's going to be good. You're going to like it and we'll be sharing it too. So um, but go check it out there follow what Joe's doing and you can shoot him an email. If you get emails from us at rebel health tribe, just respond to one of them. It's Joe. So um, thanks, man. This was fun. And I appreciate you making the time and it's been fun to work together and and get the, the life updates as we gradually slowly, very slowly figure out life. (laughs) All the craziness. I would not change a thing. No, me neither. Thanks buddy. All right. Peace. And this brings us to the end of today's episode. Head on over to rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit to access the RHT Quick Start Bundle, which includes four full-length presentations from our RHT masterclasses, two downloadable PDF guides, and a 15% off coupon, which you can use in our retail shop. If you're on Facebook, come join our Rebel Health Tribe group over there. And finally, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.